Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Today we're talking about the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards, a scholarship program that recognizes the outstanding work of creative teens around the country in grades 7 through 12. Past winners include Truman Capote, Andy Warhol, Robert McCloskey, Sylvia Plath, Robert Redford, Joyce Carol Oates, Stephen King, Ken Burns, and Lena Dunham, to name just a few. First, we'll speak with Virginia McInerney, the Executive Director at the Alliance for Young Artists and Writers. Then, we'll hear from two of this year's student winners. Later on, Scholastic CEO Dick Robinson will join us in the studio. He has perhaps the most unique story to tell about this very special program. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us about the history of the program and how it came to be? The program, the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards, was started by M.R. Robinson, Maurice Robinson, who founded Scholastic. He started it three years after he started the company, so that was in 1923. And it was just writing at first, and the intention was to really give students a place to expand awareness for their voice and their original perspectives. Also, maybe it was some free content for the magazine that he was starting. (laughs) And uh, he added the art in 1927. Robbie Robinson had a vision for the Scholastic Awards. And there's a very famous quote, which I know by heart, so I hope it's okay if I say it. Absolutely. um, Because it really encapsulates the ideas that he had. He said, the purpose of the Scholastic Awards is to give those students who demonstrate superior talent in things of the spirit and of the mind at least a fraction of the honors and rewards accorded to their athletic classmates for demonstrating their bodily skills. Whoa. (laughs) I often use that when I'm talking to teenagers, and they respond vocally. They're still in high schools that have hallways that are designed for trophy cases for athletes. It's exactly the same. And so this is really the only program of its kind, and it's grown quite a bit. It was run by the company as kind of a department till the early 90s. I see. And then it was spun off to a separate nonprofit organization called the Alliance for Young Artists and Writers. And so the Alliance runs the Scholastic Awards. It's like the core program that we have. And then there are some offshoots of it as well. And the company has supported it all these years. I'm sure there's not another corporation in America that has contributed as much to the art and literary history of the country as Scholastic by virtue of having supported so many incredible um, artists at such a critical time in their lives. I don't think the company gets enough credit for it. And our listeners may not know about some of the past winners who have won this honor and gone on to distinguished careers. Could you fill us in about some of the greats who have walked through here? Amazing people have won Scholastic Awards. Many famous artists, Philip Pearlstein and Robert Redford and Sylvia Plath, and who won for painting. Oh. And um, Richard Avedon won for poetry, and uh, Lena Dunham and Zach Posen and Bernard Malamud and uh, Idell Weber. 
just so many people, the names are hard for me to even keep track of. In addition, increasingly interesting to us are all the people who are really accomplished in other fields. They're human rights activists. I was in uh, the Jefferson City operation of Scholastic this past summer. And they very kindly toured me around, and I went to the governor's mansion, and the governor's wife came down, George Ann Nixon, and shook my hand and said she won a Scholastic Award when she was in high school. No kidding. They're everywhere, and they're really accomplished in a range of fields. So we really try to encourage kids to think just about the possibilities that exist for them, any possibility that exists for them, by virtue of having this deeper understanding of their ability to be original and creative. And she was a good uh, example for us, but also there are astrophysicists and lawyers and people in politics, amazing people. Filmmaker Ken Burns just made a big splash with his documentary, Jackie Robinson. What did Ken win for? Ken won for a short story called First Christmas in Ann Arbor. And every year we honor a notable alum of the program. And uh, in the past, it's been um, Zach Posen or the towering figure of American art, John Baldessari, or there's another sculptor who we've honored, Donald Lipsky. And this year it's Ken Burns. And it's an amazing opportunity for us to introduce kids to sort of a deeper understanding of the artist's work and for us to understand the impact of the Scholastic Award on an individual. And Ken won this when he was 17, and the story was about his family moving to Ann Arbor to kind of start life over because his mother died when he was young, when he was 11. And it was a very moving story, and it was moving to hear him tell it because he told me afterward, after we spoke about it publicly, that he was a very accomplished artist as a young person. He was taking photographs and making films, but he was understandably disturbed by the loss of his mother. And winning an award for this story was very important for his sort of emotional health. It's really moving to us, and it dovetails perfectly with some other work that we're doing now. We just got a very significant grant from the New York Life Foundation to support young people who are dealing with grief and bereavement. So we're going to be doing writing workshops and other workshops. And we see a lot of this work in the Scholastic Awards, but we've never had the opportunity to be sort of deliberate about looking at it as a body of work and recognizing and supporting those kids who are dealing with that kind of loss. So the timing of it was perfect for Ken Burns. It really solidified for us a belief in the work that we're doing, and it was just kind of a good story. And he had the story himself, which it's often the case that people will hang on to it. So it was obviously important to him because he kept it for 40 years. Oh, that's neat. I once was tasked with going down to the archives to look for a guy's award, which was in, I don't know, the 1960s or 70s, and he still remembered it and was still proud of that accomplishment. I'm so pleased to hear about this work surrounding grief and trauma. We know it is such an issue for so many children. Teachers are increasingly expressing concern, and they don't always have the resources in the classroom. So that's really positive news. What's different or special about this year's entries? What stands out? 
we have a video games category, so that's <laughs> new this year. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, we uh, we added it a f- few years ago. We ha- we added a new category this year for editorial cartoons with support from the Herb Block Foundation. So we've never had there has been a in fact John Updike won his Scholastic Award for a category called gag cartoon. So there have been cartooning, and there is a comics category, but this was a very specific addition uh, this year. So that's been amazingly interesting and really, really fun and cool for us, not only to look at this work, but to introduce kids to what editorial cartoons are and how important they are. Benjamin Franklin was an early cartoonist. So there's a lot of really deep uh, history there. So that's been new for us this year, and we hope that it continues. And uh, we see, you know, sometimes there are thematic elements that run throughout all of the media in the Scholastic Awards. And uh, about Seven years ago, I think, there were a lot of issues around gender, gender identity, boys dressed as girls, girls experimenting with their gender. And we certainly know that that is um, on kids' minds. It's on our minds as a culture, as a society. This year, what the judges observed when they sort of filled out their forms was um, water Hmm. in every media Jumping in water, people in bathtubs, fish in pots, stories about water, poems about water, paintings, water. Are they from California where there's a drought? They're from, well, maybe they're from Flint. Okay. They're from everywhere. I mean, we had 320,000 submissions this year, so we, we cut a pretty wide swath. I mean, obviously, there's work to be done. There are more kids. One could speculate about what this means, but Mm -hmm. certainly water is in the news in lots of different ways. And um, if they're thinking about climate change, this is one way sort of to metaphorically explore it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's really fascinating. Kids. Wow. (laughs) I didn't expect that. And, you know, as you said with the video games, certainly technological developments Mm -hmm. play into these. Mm -hmm. With photography as well, there's much more one can do with Photoshop and manipulating images. That's right. There used to be uh, analog and digital were separate categories. Now there's a photography and then there's digital art. So sometimes there's sort of blurry edges at the ends of the categories. Uh huh. And uh, as you know, we're going to be speaking with Razan Elbaba, who is an incredibly accomplished photographer and a poet, Alex Zhang, later in this episode. I wondered if there was anything you want our listeners to know about them. They are both gold key winners, which is the creme de la creme. They're a gold portfolio medal. Yeah, that's like a mouthful for me. (laughs) Yeah, it is a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Boil it down to gold key. Yeah. Okay, um, so it's gold. Portfolio medals, right? That's the top recognition in the Scholastic Awards. They'll win $10,000 scholarships and they'll walk across the stage at Carnegie Hall. They'll get a level of support and recognition and acknowledgement for their creative accomplishments that goes beyond what we can offer every single kid. Um, I love both of their works. I I think the art is very beautiful and very safe looking, but also very radical. How so? It's all about her hijab and it's playful. For Razan. Right. But it's also political in a very appropriate kid-like way. There's nothing threatening about it, but 
it's clearly an issue for her. And as I know from having talked to her, how people react to it, what it means to her, what it means to her when there's news about, um, you know, terrorism or other things that are on people's minds. It's funny because there she uses googly eyes on the hijab uh-huh. in some of the illustrations, but it's clearly a way for her to process the complexity of that garment. It's so interesting that she has to make a political statement about who she is. She has been politicized for just by virtue of who she is. And that must be terrifying for a child to grow up that way where you're automatically demonized just because of a garment you wear. And you draw attention to yourself, right? right? Which she may or may not want. Um, so I think it's a very skillful and appropriate uh, exploration. And I think I know that winning this recognition has really profoundly affected her. Yes. And um, I think the writing, uh, Alex's writing is also very penetrating. And he's grappling with some very complicated issues. And uh, again, I know from talking to kids who get this acknowledgement that it's transcendent. It's so gratifying to them to know that they can work through an issue and that not only is it helpful to them, but it's actually helpful to other kids to uh-huh. read that work. So they get to be exemplars in some way and which is really kind of flips the coin because they may be struggling with an issue, but by writing about it and sharing that writing, they get to help other kids who are struggling. And I, I just think for most writers, certainly young writers, that's a, a surprise and it's a, revela- it's a revelation to them. Well said. I think that's beautifully put about these two young artists and the power of their work. We're always moved by the work. We are always moved by the work. We're always moved by the bravery of kids who put their work out there for assessment by professionals. And we're always moved by how good it is. Thank you very much, Virginia. Uh, Thank you very much. I also just want to end by thanking Scholastic and the Robinson family for sustaining the support for this unusual and essential program. Now, we'll hear from two of our award-winning students, Razan Elbaba and Alex Zhang. These two high school seniors are 2016 gold medal portfolio recipients, the highest honor that a student can receive. Razan and Alex will be formally recognized with this year's other winners at the National Ceremony at Carnegie Hall in New York City. Thank you so much for being here, Razan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and congratulations on your award, on your stunning, stunning Thank work. You. Thank We're you so much. So proud of you. And I just wanted you to tell our listeners why you chose photography as a means of self-expression. Um, I, I uh, developed a severe stutter at the age of three or four years old. And um, as you know, that age is, is the age where you start speaking in full sentences and complete thoughts. And so it was difficult for me to express myself. Um, and it, it has been since then. Um, I have taken uh, therapy for many years and thankfully I've improved, um, as you can tell. Yes. <laughs> I'm not blocking anymore. Um, but over the years, it has been d- difficult to express m- 
myself as much as, as I would like to. Things like ordering pizza on the phone or um, t- taking a phone call, um, making an appointment, um, even sitting in class and saying your name. Things like that were very hard for me. So the beginning of high school, I decided that I I had a goal in mind. And my goal was to find a way to express myself in a way that didn't need me to verbalize. Um, and so I took photography one class um, and I fell in love. Oh. Um, it was as if like, because I, I love to model around and take pictures of my friends and my family, but it was a very different experience to be behind the camera. So that was super fun. I love to um, try different things, new cameras, new media types, new mediums, just anything different. I love to try different things. And so um, over the past four years, I've been, I've, with my work, I've been able to verbalize um, my expressions without even verbalizing. I've been, I use my hands and some scissors, some glue, some glitter, and I just do. And um, through my photography, it's been great because I can do whatever I feel and share my vision with the world without having to verbally speak. Gosh, there's always a way around, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, you you really have a, such a vision and, and a voice through your work. And what is the—can you tell us about the focus of your photographs and what themes you explore in them? Yeah. Um, so, um, as you may or may not know, I photograph women and girls in hijab. And hijab is the Islamic uh, head covering or headdress that um, most— Muslim women wear. Um, So with that, I aim to convey the thought that that even though we may look differently, um, we are still human. We are all one. I have a soul like you. I'm not some creature on this earth. Um, I have a mind. I have a heart. Um, I am loved. I am wanted. I'm needed on this earth. It's it's very um, clear. And so I I really hope that people will learn to accept one another because it's really not how you look like or where you come from. It's about your your true self. And as cliche as that sounds, it's very true. Um, you can have a very like nasty heart and look beautiful, but if you if your heart isn't pure, then then you won't get anywhere in life. Uh-huh. So, and, and where do you find the subjects for your work? So I. All my friends love to take pictures. They are my models. They, I call them up on our group chat and they're like, yep, let's do it. Tomorrow night, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, like whatever. I kind of work, work on the schedule because I, I like to make sure everyone's comfortable. Um, and so whoever's on, whoever's free that week, I get them. Even my sister's always with her. We're still family. Um, I, t- I take her pictures a lot. And she is— um, Almost half of my work is is, is on her, um, but the rest are all my friends, um, and they're all usually the same age as me. Um, and people pe- people often mistake us for one another, but um, I'm I'm not in any of my pictures, so people think that, that I am, but I'm not. Um, so, yes, yeah. I think maybe one of the photos I saw is probably mm-hmm. of your sister yeah. that I thought might yeah. be of you. Yeah, and yeah. your hijab has a little bit of glitter on it. Is yeah. that right? <laughs> all right. So yeah. where do you get? Your headscarves. Uh, well, okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little secret. Um, I have over. <laughs> I hope it will no longer be a secret. <laughs> I have a little over hundred scarves. Um, 
my sister has has her own hundred, my mom has her own hundred, and so collectively we have a, like hundreds uh. of scarves, um, different shades, different colors, different designs, different patterns, um, whatever goes with that outfit that day. Um, so I I have American flag scarves, I have camouflage scarves, I have plain scarves, I have floral, I have striped glitter. Um, Whatever I'm feeling that day. If, if I'm feeling bright, I like to stick bright. Um, if I'm feeling a little like down, I'll wear maybe a darker color. Um, but so whatever, I'm, whatever I'm feeling, I get majority of my scarves from around here. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my scarves are actually like neck scarves that like people use as neck scarves, but I use them as head scarves. So, um, and they work, work both ways. Oh. So anywhere from H&M, Forever 21, Express, um, Macy's, Casey Penny, anywhere I can find scarves that will go with my outfits, I buy. Um, I buy minimal scarves from back home, just because I'm not always there. And back um, home is is Lebanon. Okay. Nonetheless, you you do have mixed media as yeah. your so you yeah. take maybe newspapers. I loved you had yeah. the Wall Street Journal as yeah. a hijab yeah. with the yeah. American role model. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So basically, um, I take whatever medium I find off the table, and I try to figure out a way to use it in a to interpret meaning into a piece of something. And so I started u- using cloth um, just to just to make something look different, um, just to appear different. And then I started using newspapers um, to represent how much media coverage hijabis and Muslims get um, nowadays. And um, I use googly eyes, if you've seen that one. Um, yes, I have. And googly <laughs> eyes are, 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 and that's one of people's favorites. Um, it's kind of representing all the eyes that are constantly on you um, because you look different. Simply, you look different. And so there are more eyes on you than anyone else. Um, and so googly eyes was just a fun way to... Uh, like symbolize that. Um, I use things like glitter because glitter represents something special. And I think by wearing hijab, I'm very special. I'm very different. Um, so when there's a picture and her, her scarf is all glittery, it makes like the title of that piece is make your mark. And so by wearing hijab in America, it's, it's you're m- making your mark very clearly. Um, you're confident. You, you strut. You're you're there. And so that's why I use glitter. And so, and I try not to use the same medium um, more than once. So I don't, I don't people to get bored. Um, so I try to like, I, I try to have a large variety of work um, that I, I use. Yeah. Okay. So you have made your mark. You are very special <laughs> and very loved, as you said, supported by your family. Yeah. I'd love for you to talk. Scholastic has now recognized your brilliance about your photography teacher. You cite her mm-hmm. as being a real mentor for you. Yeah. Talk about her influence on your yeah. work. So Mrs. Silva, I call her mom. Oh. I call her Silva. I call her Silves. I call her mom number two. She's Actually, um, the reason I'm here today, I always t- tell her that. Um, she knew that I was going to win this before I even was born. <laughs> oh, my. She, um, I called her the minute after I realized that I won. Um, um, she was, I was in tears. She was about to go in tears. <laughs> and um, she's a very emotional, emotional, emotional person. So I'm, I was very 
um, happy to share this moment with her. Um, she was like, Razan, I've been waiting 21 years for this award. Oh. And I'm not, I'm no shock that you are the one who got me this award. And so she was beyond words. Um, she, for, for a couple of days, she was more excited than I was. Um, <laughs> I, it, it took a lot for me to comprehend. Um, I didn't fully understand because it was very unexpected. Um, but she, um, the whole school is obsessed with her. She's everyone's mom. She's everyone's teacher. She's everyone's sister. She's just a friend. Um, she's pushed me in ways that my own family has not pushed me. Um, she motivates you in ways that don't seem harsh. Um, she's a very friendly, very kind person. Um, and so she enables you to think outside of the box. Um, I was very reserved when it, when it came to my art until like this year when I started submitting things. And so she's helped me really shine and um, get out of my comfort zone. Like that's her goal to push me out. And I was very in a bubble for a while. Um, and so she's, she's great. And I'm probably going to c- c- call her after this recording. <laughs> um, she's great. And, and even uh, for the, for the award ceremony at Carnegie Hall, we both bought matching skirts that we're uh, going to wear. Um, uh, <laughs> so be like ready for that. If you see two ladies in tulle skirts, in red tulle skirts, <laughs> that's me and her. We're going to be on the lookout. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. yeah. So she, she's amazing. And I'm very blessed to have her accompany me for four years. And she's, she, she even threatened to fail me to stay in high school. <laughs> uh, she can't um, like let me. Me go. Oh, well, congratulations yeah. to her too. Let's Thank give you. her yeah. <laughs> a shout out and yeah. all the teachers out there who yeah. are so dedicated. Yeah. That's really an inspiring story. You always have your cell phone on you. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> I want yeah. to tease you about that. Yeah. I'm just interested in how social media or uh, yeah. digital technology plays a yeah. role in your life and young people's yeah. lives and how you take pictures it's, it's with, your, definitely, with your cell phone. It's definitely my... My like child. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love my iPhone. Um, it's just it's me in a little tablet. Um, I I do use my camera. Um, I have an Nikon um, D fifty one hundred, and it's just a basic camera I got three years ago. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping to expand and um, and um, grow as a photographer and get new equipment and all that stuff. But for now, I'm sticking to basic um, because it's not really. But what you use, it's, it's, it's what, what you do from that. Um, and, for, and for my phone, I'm, if I say something like, I take a picture of it and I use it and for inspiration for the next time. Um, I like to keep my HD. So, so I do use my camera for my work. But for my personal life, I just use my phone. And I have Snapchat, if any of you heard oh, of yes, that. Oh, yes, yes. Snapchat. <laughs> okay, um, <I'm> that old. <laughs> I, I'm known for... For Snapchat, um, all my friends know me as the Snapchat oh. queen, and I'm very savvy. Um, I like, I love to share my memories with my friends and my family because you're not always with them, so so it's nice to kind of keep them in the loop. Sometimes um, I love to, to be silly with my friends and weird selfies and post everywhere, and like um, I just I love social media, and I think that. Um, People really need to focus on the positives rather than the negatives because because there's positive and negatives to everything in the world, not just social media. There's there's things that you 
can do very good from social media. You can share like, um, you can share your work, you can share your photos, you can you can meet with friends, you can you can get back with someone. Um, I re- I recently created an Instagram account just for my work. People have been dying and begging me to create this account for my work, and so I finally answered all the calls. I'm like, yes, I'll do it. So I um, every week I post something in my work and. Um, I just focus that on my work, nothing else, no selfies, no just of myself <laughs> and my family, um, just my work. And so people have been, I've been, I've been receiving an overwhelming amount of support. And so I'm oh. so blessed to, be ha- to, to have that support group um, That's terrific. that I need as an artist. That's terrific. Okay, so now yeah. you're going to be graduating from high school yes. this spring. And yes. what will you be doing in the fall? Do you know yet? <sighs> well, um, so I've— applied to schools and I've got into all of them and I've got into my top two. Um, I've got into the School of Visual Arts in New York City and that's been my dream for like three years now. And I've never, I've never thought that I would receive admission because I'd never thought I was good enough. Um, but one day I got an email saying I was accepted with a partial scholarship. And so I was thrown. I, I was like, like in tears, I was like massively blessed because I've never thought that I could do it. Um, and I did. Well, it sounds like wherever you go, Rizan, <laughs> you're going to be kicking it. <laughs> so I hope. You're going to do great. And Thank it's, you. it's been such a pleasure talking with Thank you, you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Alex Zhang is in the house today. Welcome, Alex. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you, and congratulations Thank on you. your remarkable award. How did you feel when you found out? Um, well, it was definitely nerve-wracking because they gave the call the day before and said, oh, uh, we just want to talk to you on Monday to explain your work. And so I was asleep then, and I remember that my mom was— she just was like, Scholastic just called, but they want a conference call you. And I was so confused and nervous the entire day, like waiting, going up to the uh, the phone call. And then when they finally told me it was like relief, but also just like disbelief because I was just so overwhelmed by everything. Gosh, yeah. I can't even imagine what a feeling that was would crazy. be like. Well, it's just so terrific. So tell our listeners what you submitted and what you won for. So um, I submitted... My portfolio, so my writing portfolio consisted of memoir and poetry. And so I submitted that as my portfolio. And then I also won for just my individual poetry and um, my memoir piece. And your poetry delves into your relationship with your father. Yeah. Which is somewhat troubled, Mm -hmm. unlike most people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we all, yeah, we definitely all have those times where we have struggle. Like, I feel like each family individually has its own kind of struggles that they go through and their own things that they have to overcome. And for me, it was just a matter of kind of trying to understand my identity as, you know, my parents were immigrants. They came from China. And so they came to America for this better life. And so struggling to kind of be proud of where I'm from and my heritage, but also with the fact that I'm not really from there at all. You know, I'm from Michigan and I've never really had a close connection to where I technically am from, you know, originally. Have you ever been to China? Yes. So uh, multiple times I've visited, you know, over the summers, but it's, I guess it's just very different from just visiting there, you know, for a couple of weeks rather than sure. actually living there and knowing sure. your relatives who live down the street and seeing them more often. Why did your parents come to America? Um, they came because they both 
Well, they both came for college. So they both received um, scholarships after graduating from high school and from college to come to America and um, attend school here. And so they picked up, well, just actually how we ended up in Michigan is because they both received um, really, really great scholarships from the school, the school in the town uh, called Western Michigan University. And so we ended up there and they came and they just wanted to start kind of their own life together and build their own business, which they did. And they worked really hard. And so I feel like that for them, it's a big pride in the fact that they, like they're very proud of where they came from because it helps them to where they are now. Mm -hmm. But I guess I just can't, for a long time, I've not been able to fully understand that because I just wonder like what, where they are now is more important than where they were before. What sort of business? Um, they're both financial planners, so they own their own. Um, it's called Zang Financial. <laughs> financial planners generally love poets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If the poets are their children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 really interesting. It's been my experience. <laughs> yeah, my brother is um, also he's very interested in writing as well, which is the reason why I started writing. Um, so it's been weird to have kind of this family dynamic where both my parents are very involved in business, and my brother and I are very passionate about writing and the arts. So I feel like it's been really interesting for them to kind of get used to that. Like they've come, because I also take photography. And so they've come to my exhibits and stuff and supported me. But it's really interesting because they don't really have any experience in art or writing. So they're just kind of like, oh, this is very nice. You know, this is cool. What kinds of observations have they had about your work or what has surprised them about it? I guess my mom never, or my mom was a writer actually when she was younger. And my, and she, you know, kind of always was helping my brother as a writer because he from early on read a lot of books. Um, and so for her, it was surprising to see actually that I even had won this award because she didn't actually know that I was this involved in writing. Because, um, I mean, I do go to boarding school, so she doesn't really, we don't really see each other that often. And I don't really get to talk about, you know, like what I'm doing on the side, like my writing stories or what am I doing like that. And so when she found out, she was just really surprised because she hadn't known that I'd been writing, you know, all these pieces and that I'd been so involved in like developing my writing at school. So she was just really caught off guard, I feel like. And you go to Exeter. So um, I understand you write for some publications there. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so, well, one thing that I'm part of is I'm part of this club called Word, um, which is the spoken word club at school. So I'm one of the co-heads of that. And we meet, you know, every week and everyone just kind of, we do like little workshops on writing spoken word. And for me, it was just because um, I joined the club because I'm just really interested in spoken word. I've never really been a spoken word poet. So I'm part of that club. And we kind of, we also have our own poetry online um, magazine called Periscope. Um, that's part of the club. And then also I'm one of the co-editor-in-chiefs of the school magazine Pe Pendulum. Um, so we're an arts and literature magazine. And what we do is we publish, well, this year we publish twice, but we, yeah, we normally publish twice a year. And we have just kind of a booklet of all the art and writing on campus that people have submitted that we've kind of, we kind of filtered through it and we edit through. Um, and then we get this nice kind of clean finished product of just like writing that happens in the community. Because it's amazing how many talented writers there are and talented artists who never really get the opportunity to submit their work anywhere or to, to even like experiment with seeing like what they could possibly achieve, you know, if they, if they were more interested in that. And how did you arrive at Exeter from Michigan? What was that? All yeah. About? <laughs> well, I mean, growing up in Michigan is, it was weird because there was only, I think, one or two other Asian Americans in my school, you know, and it was, my school was a total of 200 kids from, you know, pre-K to eighth grade. So that's very, I had like yes. 20 kids in my class. Um, and the, actually one of the only other Asians was in my class. Yeah. And so, um, 
I guess it was just odd because my brother, when he graduated, he, you know, he had really great test scores and everything. So my parents were like, we need to find something, you know, something, a bigger educational opportunity for him than they can provide, you know, kind of in our city. And he wanted something harder. So they looked into boarding schools on the East Coast and he went to a boarding school called Groton. And um, I wanted a bigger school because I kind of was looking for diversity and more people. And so I started looking at bigger boarding schools and Exeter is one of them. And I applied there and I was really lucky to get in. And I, it's just, yeah, it's amazing because I get to meet so many different people that are all, first of all, interested in pursuing, you know, their education. So they're very, because in my school, I was always kind of like, not the try hard per se, but I was definitely someone who took my academics more seriously than other people did. And so I wanted to go to a school where other people were just as enthusiastic about learning and, and, you know, working hard. And now you're headed to Columbia University in the fall. <laughs> yeah, which is another amazing th- yes. amazing opportunity. And I'm just very blessed to be where I am, I guess, now. And you'll be eat- reading all the great books, yep. as it were. I'm going to be reading all the core <laughs> curriculum books. I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah, it's like pages and pages. pages. <laughs> Will you be studying writing as well? Yes. Um, so I plan on doing a double major. So I want to major in creative writing for sure. And then I want to do a, a major in economics because I feel like that's something, I feel like it's really interesting to kind of work with those two completely different fields and see how it works out. I mean, I guess the great part is that there's always room to change your major in case, but I think it's, you know, it's really interesting because I've never really had the opportunity to learn more about business. And I have been interested for a while. My brother is currently an economics major and he says it's interesting, but. Sure, <laughs> that's a, a great combination. Yeah, Economics is an art in its way as yeah, well. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. actually how um, he writes these essays, these nonfiction essays where he weaves in knowledge from economics into the pieces, and it's pretty amazing how, how all these fields kind of come together in writing. Great, great. Well, we wish you so much success. And before we let you go, we'd love for you to read an excerpt from one of your poems. Yes, definitely. I'd love to. I'm going to be reading an excerpt from my piece, Father T., And it's an essay where I researched different types of teas and kind of compiled and reflected my relationship with my father through different types of teas. And so this is near the end of the piece. T-E-A. Yeah, (laughs) T-E-A. No, T the letter. Okay. (laughs) Um, Son. Sometimes I imagine my relationship with my father as a cup of tea, a cup of sun tea. It's prepared by steeping tea leaves in a jar of tap water and leaving the mixture to bask in the sun. In most cases, however, the rays are not enough to kill the bacteria. The concoction festers until no longer identifiable. The surface wrinkled with off-white globs, the color decayed to septic brown. This is our father-son drink. I don't want to think about the taste. I am trying to find the words to say he was too bitter. Oh, thank you. That's so beautiful. Thank you, Alex. Now, we're thrilled to welcome Scholastic CEO Dick Robinson to the program. This is his inaugural visit. We hope it will be the first of many. Welcome, Dick. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. We are talking about the Art and Writing Awards, as you know, and they have a very special place in your heart. So we wanted to talk with you briefly first to ask you how your father came about starting this program. Scholastic was a magazine for high school students that was started in 1920. And after a few years, my father, thinking, how do I get more subscribers, looked at the newspapers and said, well, newspapers are always putting lists of people in the newspapers who win things. So is there an idea there? Then he 
it was in the habit of gathering together high school principals and superintendents to ask them advice on what they needed. And so at one of these meetings in the early 1920s, the superintendents and high school principals said, well, you know what, we have awards for our athletes, right? But we need awards for our creative kids. And this is almost 100 years ago. The same theme comes across now. He responded to that by thinking, ah, I could have an awards program. In the first year, he just did writing because that he had access to writing through the magazine, which had a small circulation at the time, but it was primarily with, with high school English teachers. So he had access to students who were writers. So they started off with, with writing. Uh, but he also had a very close friend uh, at the Carnegie Institute of Technology, as it was then known, but it's now known, of course, as Carnegie Mellon, who ran the art gallery. Uh, this man was a Russian emigre. He was a very vital and passionate figure. He said, you know, we can do something with art. If you if you work with art, then we'll do something with art. So he... Um, connected with the uh, with the art teachers as well as with the writing teachers and slowly began to get people interested in submitting art as well as writing this took a little bit longer but there was such a, a tremendous need in this area and there was so much good work going on in both writing and art in high school that the entries started coming in coming in and they would come into the Carnegie Institute of Technology to be judged uh, at first from all over the United States. Then he thought, well, maybe we need some chapters for these art teachers. So he went out and he found, you know, local department stores who would sponsor the art awards in their in their uh -huh. area. Later, this was broadened to art schools, which are often the primary sponsors now. But banks and, and uh, department stores would frequently be the sponsors in order to bring families in. Year after year, the awards grew, and larger and larger numbers of people participated until amazing young artists were discovered through the teachers recognizing them. As you know, there's, there's household names and art from the whole 20th century that have been discovered through the art awards, and similarly with writing. You talk about this in practical ways, but your father, I didn't know him, but when I came to Scholastic, I knew many people who did and talked about him with such love and affection. And just to have the vision to see what effect this would have and how this would flower and blossom is pretty remarkable. The Scholastic Art and Writing Awards helped identify Scholastic as somebody interested in creative kids and in promoting creativity among kids. But it was also the creative development of young people that was the theme of the whole thing. And I think that was something that became very important to him as he talked to educators and understood the effect that the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards did have on kids. This is a springboard into incredible careers that change the world, really, as so many of our artists who've been recognized have. How do you see that as part of Scholastic's mission, and what does this mean to you? It's the recognition, as the one word I would choose, uh, the recognition that I'm not only good, but maybe really good, that it's not my teacher or my parents who are making that judgment, but a 
judges who don't know me, don't know where I'm from, don't know what color I am, what my background is, if I'm 14 or 17. They just are reacting to the quality of my work. And when you win the Scholastic Gold Key, the national prize, whether it's uh, Robert McCloskey, <laughs> the great children's book writer, uh, or Lena Dunham, or Richard Avedon, or uh, Andy Warhol, Philip Perlstein, whom we recently heard from at age 93. It's that recognition that propels you to the next step. And so instead of, uh, in Robert McCloskey's instance, his father wanted him to go to Ohio State Business School <laughs> uh, because he was from Ohio. But he wanted to go to the Boston Museum of Fine Arts School, which he did as a result of the Art and Writing Awards and became, from that moment forward, not only a great artist and children's book artist, but also a very strong proponent of the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards <laughs> because, as he said, I owe my life to the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards. Now, in the case of the Robinson family, that is literally true, and I'll tell you the story why. When my father started his magazine in Pittsburgh in the 1920s, and had his poetry contests and for the, uh, in 1926 or something like that, uh, a young Pittsburgh woman uh, won the poetry contest, went to college in Washington, D.C., came back home, and it was by now 1930. The Depression had come in, so what was she going to do? Her mother said, why don't you go and See if you can find a job with the people who gave you the poetry award. They're <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Nice <laughs> They're in Pittsburgh. So she did that. She was told to study stenography over the summer, which was partly a way of deferring her salary until school started in the fall when the money started coming back into Scholastic. <laughs> and she started. She was the secretary to the editor-in-chief. She was very good at it and... A few years later, she married my father. Uh, and so, literally, my brother and three sisters and I owe our lives to the Scholastic Garden oh. Writing Awards. <laughs> How lovely is that? Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? The real story is that all kids uh, have that creativity. And if given a, a chance to show that creativity and to have it developed by the teacher— uh, and have it recognized that they will often go on to great work in other fields, whether it's uh, the graphic arts or websites or television or uh, becoming art teachers. Uh, but it's the it's the spark of recognition that does it, and the uh, scholastic business system, but, but and also the Garden Writing Awards. Uh, makes it possible for kids to have that experience of recognizing their talent and digging deep inside themselves to bring out the creativity that all of them have. You've just expressed why this is an extraordinary place to work, to have this mission, you know, and still make money at it. <laughs> How's Good. that? Good. Both are important. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so okay. much, Dick. Please come back and visit us again. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for joining us and for sharing in our mission at Scholastic, where we believe that the right book in a child's hands can open a world of possible. Special thanks to producer Megan K. Safer and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. 
I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.